Our scripture reading is going to be from Mark chapter 15. We're going to continue on uh, with our series in Mark, uh, both this morning and this evening. Uh, of course, in uh, God's great timing of where things were, are at today, the plan was we were going to uh, finish Mark on uh, Easter Sunday. And we shall see how that all pans out, but that is the plan because that's where Mark ends his gospel as well, at the great story of the resurrection. So we're making our way through this, and even though uh, much of this we, we might say, wait, Pastor Bob, couldn't you have brought a message about our circumstances? Well, in some respects this is a message about our circumstances. This is about the reason we have assurance. This is about the reason we have hope. This is about the reason we have comfort. And it's because of the perfect obedience of Jesus Christ. It's because of his willingness to suffer these things that we have that glorious hope. For he gave his life. He came. He came to give his life as a ransom for many. And so as we dwell upon that which Christ has done, we again find our glorious hope and comfort in that. Mark chapter 15, I'm reading for this morning's message, verses 1 through 5. And as soon as it was morning... The chief priest held a consultation with the elders and scribes and the whole council. And they bound Jesus and led him away and delivered him over to Pilate. And Pilate asked him, are you the king of the Jews? And he answered, you have said so. And the chief priest accused him of many things. And Pilate again asked him, have you no answer to make? See. How many charges they bring against you. But Jesus made no further answer. So that Pilate was amazed. Let's bow in prayer again. Father, as we have read your word, we pray now, Lord, for your blessing upon that word to our hearts, to our minds, to our souls. And that, Father, you would take this spoken word now about that word and use it as well in our lives, to bring us closer to Christ, in whose name we pray, amen. So from this particular passage, two points today. Uh, First of all, the fact that Jesus was rejected, and secondly, that Pilate is amazed. Jesus is rejected, and Pilate is amazed. The group who is involved here is the notorious group that we've kind of been following through the Gospel of Mark. It's the group of chief priests, according to verse 1, and elders and scribes, the whole council. They have now gathered together. And when you consider this group, this body, that is mentioned here in verse 1 of chapter 15... These are the representatives of the Jewish people of the time. They're the representatives of the Jewish nation. They're the representatives of the Jewish religion. 
And what we find here is that the Jewish people, the Jewish nation, the Jewish religion is rejecting Jesus. And we might say, why? Why why is this group, why are these chief priests and elders and scribes, the whole council of 72 of them, why, why are they so bent and getting rid of Jesus? Well, it probably boils down to two things. From their perspective, of course, we know God has a plan. Of course, we know Satan is at work. But from their own perspective, their own reasoning, if they were to admit it, would be the following. One, Jesus threatens their power. They were the power brokers of that society, but Jesus is threatening that because he's preaching grace, not law. He is preaching a different type of religion. He is preaching a whole new religion other than the one that the chief priests, the elders and scribes, have hijacked the Old Testament into becoming. See, this isn't the Old Testament that Jesus is changing. It's the perversion of the Old Testament that had been brought about. And he threatens their power. In the way things are working now in the Jewish religion, they're the power brokers. They're the guys in charge. They get to set all the rules. Jesus is coming and saying, in a sense, away with what you have created out of that word of God that he gave you in the Old Testament. But secondly, Jesus threatens their expectations. They have an idea, they formed an opinion as to what Jesus, I, I should say what the Messiah, what the Christ was to be like. They had an idea. Jesus does not fit their idea. And therefore, he's a threat to that which they have created and made and given to the people as their hope and as their expectation. Jesus was rejected by the group. Where does it say that in the text? Well, listen to this part of it. They bound Jesus, they led him away, and they delivered him over to Pilate. They bound him, they led him away, they delivered him to Pilate. In essence, they rejected Jesus as one of their own. They're basically saying, Jesus is not one of us. We want nothing to do with him. We want nothing to do with his form of Jewishness. We are rejecting him. We want nothing to do with his form of what a Messiah is. We want nothing to do with his interpretations of the Old Testament. We want nothing to do with that which he has taught, that which he has done, that which he stands for, that which he is. We are turning our backs upon him so much so that they're doing the one thing, the one thing that ground them the most about Rome. And that's that Rome was in control. 
and that Rome was in power. Yet, they give Jesus to Rome. They deliver him over. That act is an act of rejection. Man of sorrows, acquainted with grief, rejected by men. This was, you see, the prophecy. If we go back to Isaiah chapter 53, that verse, okay, we read those words. He was despised and rejected by men. A man of sorrows, acquainted with grief, and as one from whom men hid their faces, he was despised. and We esteemed him not. Jesus was rejected because this was the prophecy. This is what God's word had said was going to happen to the Messiah, to the Christ. This is what John is teaching when we turn to to John chapter 1 and we hear him say, John 1, verse 11. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. John 1, 11 is written by the Apostle John well after Jesus' death, well after Jesus' resurrection, well after the ascension, probably even sometime after the book of of Acts is completed. John is reflecting back and through inspiration by the Spirit looks at the circumstances, looks at the situation, and says, Jesus came into this world. He came to his own. He came to the Jewish people. He came to his own race. And his own people did not receive him. Mark 15. They bound him, led him away, and turned him over. To Pilate. This is what God's word teaches. But as the text goes on here in in Mark, we find where they took him. We find that they took him to Pilate. I know you've probably heard many sermons on Pilate, who he is, but let me just at least kind of capsulate it all in, in a few thoughts in regards to him. He is the governor of Judea at this particular time. He's been appointed by Rome. Uh, So the the Roman Caesar gave him this position. He's had kind of a checkered leadership. Um, He's not very friendly with the Jews. He's made a lot of decisions that have angered the Jews over the course of the time that he has been governor Some of them seem to be almost flagrant, almost like he's poking them in the eye with decisions that he makes. So they don't like him. 
which even further adds to the fact they turned him over to Pilate. Their disdain of Pilate uh, is why they bring him to Jesus. They can't stand either one of these guys. But he also has a pretty checkered personal history. Um, we have it from various historical circles that uh, Pilate is eventually going to end up taking his own life. Um, his marriage as well. Uh, he, he's married to a woman who seems to be somewhat superstitious and some believe that part of the reason he got the governorship in Judea, he got such a, a position was because of his wife. So when we read about his wife in, in the gospel accounts coming to him and saying, I, I've had some bad dreams about this guy, I'm, I'm not sure you should do anything, Pilate becomes even more cautious about the whole circumstance and situation because he, he's just, he, he's not sure what to do here because he knows the Jews are mad. And now if he doesn't listen to his wife who, who probably got him the job, he's stuck. So on the one hand, the Jews want him dead. On the other hand, his wife is saying you ought to let him go. So... He, he's kind of a stuck guy in regards to all of this, in some circumstances. But as we read it, it it's interesting. Jesus or Pilate asks Jesus two questions. His first question is this: Are you king of the Jews? Now, what's interesting about this is this hasn't been talked about before. Remember when we were with the Sanhedrin, there were charges of blasphemy, there were charges about the temple and all that sort of thing. All of a sudden, what has entered into the scene are charges about being king of the Jews. That wasn't brought up by the Sanhedrin. But if you put the gospel accounts together, what you end up finding is that these Jewish leaders realize that their charge of blasphemy Pilate's going to say, you got me up early to do this? Take it back, decide it for yourself. The problem is, deciding it for themselves, they can't kill Jesus. Because they don't have the authority to do that. So they've got to press the issue. So they've changed the charges. So to Pilate comes the charge. This man says that he's king of the Jews. So Pilate... Ask the question, verse 2. Are you the king of the Jews? There was no new trial. Now there's a charge of treason, a charge, of, we would say, of insurrection. At least that's the way Rome would understand someone calling themselves king of the Jews. Notice Jesus' answer. You have said so. You have said so. We might say that it's kind of a strange answer. Uh, what, what does Jesus mean by his answer? What he means is this. Yes, but not in the way you're thinking about it. Yes, I am king of the Jews. You yourself have said it, Pilate. But not in the way... 
of a political kingship. There's going to be a conversation in the Gospels between Pilate and, and Jesus, and it's the question about authority. And, and Jesus is going to say to Pilate, you would have no authority over me if it wasn't granted to you from above. And, and the exchange is, is going to be Jesus ending up saying, because my kingdom is not of this world. Yes, I'm king of the Jews, but not as a political entity. Not in the way that Rome would define kingship. So what ends up happening? Verse 3, the chief priest accused him of many things. More stuff starts coming out. More accusations. More things. Well, what are those more things? Well, turn with me to Luke chapter 23. In Luke chapter 23, we, we get kind of a, a gist of, of what these other charges, these other things may have been. Verse 2, Luke 23. And they began to accuse him, saying, We found this man misleading our nation and forbidding us to give tribute to Caesar and saying that he himself is Christ, a king. So, many other things. What else besides being a king? Well, don't pay taxes to Caesar. The twisting, once again, of, of Jesus' words. Go down to verse 5. But they were urgent, saying, He stirs up the people, teaching throughout all Judea, from Galilee even to this place. He stirs up the people. There's another one of those, according to Mark, accused him of many things. So here are all these accusations coming. And what is Jesus doing? He's quiet. He says nothing. Pilate then asked the question, verse 4, have you no answer to make? See how many charges they bring against you? See, what Pilate is used to is that the prisoner standing there would begin to defend themselves over and over. Judge, I never did something like that. Judge, they got it all wrong. Judge this, judge that. Uh, what he's used to is the, 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 the stuff you see on court TV type of thing where they're interrupting and saying, no, 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 that isn't true. No, 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 I got this document. No, no, that's what Pilate is used to. He is not used to someone just standing there in silence. And so he presses the question, have you no answer? Verse 5, but Jesus made no further answer. We're back to Isaiah, aren't we? We're back to Isaiah 53, 7. As a lamb before its shearers is dumb, so he opened not his mouth. Why? So that we might know he would fully obey God's word. He's fulfilling prophecy. He's fulfilling the word of God. He's being obedient to the Father. 
What does that matter? What matters, brothers and sisters in Christ, is the fact that that's what's going to make the sacrifice of the cross worth something. Because it is done by someone who was perfectly obedient to the Father. So this is about our comfort. This is about our hope. This is about our assurance. This is about being able to say, in life and in death, I belong to my faithful Savior, Jesus Christ. That's my only comfort. Especially at a time like this. But there's another part. It's the end of verse 5. So that Pilate, was amazed. He's amazed. He's standing in, as it were, in awe. He's wondering, what kind of person is this? What kind of man is before me? What kind of individual am I dealing with? But he sends Jesus off to Herod. Herod sends him back again. He's amazed. But he has no faith. He's amazed, but he doesn't believe. There is a lack of, of faith. There's a lack of trusting. See, all of us face questions, do we not, about Jesus. We all face questions about who he is. There are those who practice out-and-out out rejection. There are those who want nothing to do with Jesus. They're, they're like these chief priests and elders of verse 1. They want nothing to do. They turn away from Jesus. Fully, completely. Others stand amazed. They, they wonder about his teaching. They wonder about his miracles. They wonder about that which he has taught. They wonder about his identity. They wonder about the whole story. They're amazed. But they don't believe. And then there are those who, by faith, by God's glorious gift of faith, have come to look upon Christ, uh, not in rejecting Him, not in simply being amazed by Him, but in believing, in believing that He is indeed the Savior, believing that He is indeed the King, Believing that he is indeed the Christ. Believing that he is indeed the only begotten Son of God. Believing that he is indeed divine. Believing that he is indeed fully human. Believing that he indeed died upon a cross to pay the price for our sins. Believing that he rose again on the third day. Believing that he 
ascended into heaven, believing that he is coming again to judge the living and the dead, believing that he is coming again to gather, to gather you and I with him forever in all, for all, eternity. So what are you doing with Jesus? Rejecting? Standing amazed? Or believing? You see, it's only out of faith that one can truly sing, Man of sorrows, what a name. For the Son of God who came. Hallelujah. What a Savior. Bearing shame and scoffing rude, in my place, condemned he stood. Hallelujah. What a Savior. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We pray, Lord, for your blessing upon it, even in this very unique circumstance and setting. That, Father, even here too, Father, uh, uh, that your word, by the power of your spirit, would touch heart, would touch life. In Christ's name, amen.